Hey, it's Chris Edgerly, a.k.a. The Edge Voice, and you're about to listen to an audio version of an interview I've done on my streamcast on Twitch. Now, if you'd like to see the video along with it, you can find it in the links below, or you can just go to my YouTube channel, Chris Edgerly, a.k.a. The Edge Voice. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, hey, everybody. Yeah, it's, it's Candy Roo there, you know. <laughs> I, I can just smell the enthusiasm. Yeah, can't you? Can't you? That's your gamer tag, Candy Roo, right? Yes. Okay, now, yes. did that come before? Well, that came after you started doing YouTube content, correct? Because your YouTube content yeah. was based on your gaming, correct? Yeah. So the name Candy Roo has been around for, I'm, yeah, it's been around for a while. Um, I think I was like 17 or 18 sitting in my ex's house. I, mean, I, I think I remember. I was trying to like come up with a new screen name that I could just use everywhere. You know, like just something that no one else, ever, else has ever used. I was like, I just need one screen name that I can use for, you know, my email, my video games, just like what, like, you know what I mean? Like basically coming up with like an identity uh, for online stuff. And uh, it's kind of, it's based off my real name. My real name is Andrew. Okay. And, um, and so kind of worked backwards from there. And I just right. came up with it. So since then, I found out that there's actually a fish called the Candy Roo. Uh, it's not spelled the same way. But it's like this fish that like is in the Amazon, and uh, it's attracted to the ammonia in urine. So like if you pee, it's not that Amazon, fish, is it? It is. It's it that fish. It swims, it swims into your urethra. I didn't know it was called a candy roo. It's called a candy roo. I, I don't know how it's spelled, but uh, yeah, I saw <laughs> it on the show River Monsters with Jerry Wade. <laughs> River. And uh, there's no relation. There's, it wasn't like I was inspired. Somehow. Wait a minute. Swims up your urethra. Oh, I gotta I I will be candy roof from now on. I... <laughs> That's so me. Definitely, yeah, definitely encapsulates me, my essence. Well, you do stream and uh you know anyone's urethra. So. Urine urine stream and then uh so you are attracted to the Yes, yeah. you're attracted to the mental ammonia of Twitch's stream, and you swim right up in it. And right. I've lost half of my viewers making that. Uh, making yeah. the I should have never gone there. Yeah, I know. That's how you do that. All right. So, so all right. Yeah, I will just unhear all of that, and uh, we'll just pretend. We'll backwards. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll pretend. I'll edit that out. Probably not. That's, that's, that's good content right there, ladies and gentlemen. Pre- YouTube content creator, what exactly was your life and how did you end up on YouTube? Oh, how far back are we talking about? Because I started when I was 25. I, I don't know. So, so give me an age. Or should I start all the way back? Conception. I mean, I'm, I'm here for the whole thing. Lay it on me. Let's see. Let's see. So, uh, you know, goes without saying, I'm Asian. So I think my childhood, I was raised by a very strict Asian traditional mom, Asian parenting kind of thing. Okay. So my mom always, I don't know, I mean, maybe you had some experience, but my mom always wanted me to like go to school, become like a doctor or, or professional of some sort. Yeah, that, that didn't happen. But basically like, you know, through, I went to college for molecular and cellular biology, was, you know, getting ready to go to dental school and stuff like that, like kind of jumping through all the hoops. Um, but I never really had a chance to like think about what I really want to do with my life. You know, everyone always talks about like, oh man, like what is your passion and stuff like that. And I think when I was like 17 or 18 and maybe even 20, like I, I didn't know, like, you know what I mean? Like uh -huh. I was just kind of like, okay, I'll just 
go to med or go to dental school or whatever. Um, right. When I graduated, I, I moved out with my then girlfriend, now wife, to New York. And there's, you know, all different walks of life out here with people making, you know, a living off of many different things. And so, um, yeah, kind of like, I guess that distance kind of made me kind of not consider dental school anymore as much. Yeah, do I really want to go back to school and spend like my 20s in, 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 in school and studying and stuff? Um, so I was kind of, I don't want to say I was lost, but like I definitely didn't know what to do for like like a good four years when I graduated. So I don't know. I mean, like it, it was definitely a terrifying, and honestly, I don't. I think a lot of, um, I don't want to say young people because I don't know if this is true with women, but from what I've seen is like uh, a lot of young men go through this in their early 20s where like they kind of graduate from college and they just don't know what the fuck to do. I don't know why it's always men that I hear these stories from. Maybe it has, happens with women too, but um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's it's something that's not uncommon for a lot of folks. Um, so basically, you know, I, I worked at a... Um, at a uh, a law firm that we were suing uh we we're suing some drug company for a drug that might cause you know cancer you know i, I did a, i did a bunch of different jobs uh that was my first one in new york mm-hmm. um and uh you know i made i think like 15 dollars an hour or maybe it was like 30 it was like really slow. i think it was 15 like 15 dollars an hour i mean it was a fine job it was just like a normal everyday office job and stuff like that and very very day-to-day but i always felt like i want to do something else like you know obviously there's got to be more to life than this and so i mean everybody in the law firm was kind of miserable (laughs) you know um that happens they look dead inside (laughs) Yeah. yeah so uh so anyway so like um when i was so this cast coming back though so like when i was 20 so like me working in law firm, I was like 22. When okay. I was 20, I had worked at a um, high-end resort with like you know a bunch of wealthy, famous people would go there to like either stay or and just relax, uh, unplug and stuff. And um, the job I had was just being a cafe person, and I made actually ended up making a lot of friends with a lot of wealthy, influential people. Uh, maybe less famous and more just like businessmen and and kind of people who kind of you know, we're entrepreneurs. And uh, one of them, it was the uh, ex-manager uh, for Aerosmith back in the 80s. And and I would consider him to this day a really good friend. And um, uh, at the time, I was, you know, I really looked up to him. I still do, um, but he was like my mentor. And so like fast forward to when I was working at the, at the law firm, I was like, dude, I don't feel like working for the rest of my life. I really want to figure out what I want to do. So... Uh, I, I hit my, uh, my buddy up and I was like, yo, like, I know you just find your assistant. Um, I see you're in town in New York. Let's meet up because I would love a position, you know, working for you and just right. like to learn from you and stuff. And so I worked for him for, for a couple of years and he really consider, uh, really, uh, encouraged me to like figure out what I want to do with my life. And I don't, I don't know. It was, it was kind of a, um, I don't know. It was, it was time during my life where, like, I worked really hard. I learned a lot. Um, it wasn't easy. There was a lot of um, I don't want to call it drama, but like, just sort of like you know, when you're someone's personal assistant, you're very close to them, and there's a lot of trying times that I had to navigate and and and, and you know, do my job well. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, there was a lot of guidance that he offered me, um, and maybe nothing concrete like, hey, you should try this, but just sort of like, 
coaxing me to like open my mindset to like exploring things. You know what I mean? I started just one day, just like I was playing this video game called Planet Side 2, which is like an open world first person shooter. And um, I got pretty decent at it. So I figured maybe one day, just why not just make a video about it? And so that's kind of how it all started. Um, uh, there's, there's a few things that kind of happened along the way. I guess we can kind of go into that more. But yeah, I mean, that's basically the, the beginning was basically I just kind of started it on a, on a whim, kind of. Not really. I mean, kind of. It was like I, I wanted a project to work on. You know what I mean? So it's very intentional. Like, hey, this is, this is something I want to do. You're breaking free of the constraints that are both sometimes you, you get them from family expectations. Right. You get cultural and, and uh, societal constraints. This is what you're expected to do. Right. And it's possible that guys go through this more because maybe in our culture, guys are still expected to be breadwinners more than uh, mm. than women are. But that is changing. Um, but uh, it could be that the more you're expected to be a breadwinner, if you're if you're slotted into that cultural expectation, the more people are going to say you need to get a reputable profession right. and a, or a degree or, you or know. a degree. I had 15 jobs in my life before I settled on show business. And that's starting from my first job at a McDonald's to my last job when I was about eh, 26. And uh, and I ate a lot of sand. I, I didn't make very much money for a while. And then um, and then I did, you know, but. I, I refused to do something I hated. I just refused. It happens. Some people have an amazing capacity to take a lot of crap because they need the paycheck. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think for a lot of people, it becomes their, their normal. Uh, and, and I think, you know, people can tolerate, the, hu the human beings in general can tolerate a lot. You know what I mean? Like once they kind of get used to it. My YouTube in the beginning was basically all my voiceover stuff. Two years ago, I had 26 subscribers on YouTube. I would get a video and I'd get like 50 views and I'd think, yeah, all right, you know, that's not bad. That's, that's double my subs. And I thought, hey, YouTube lets you monetize. What do I have to get for monetizing? And they told you what the, the terms were and I thought, I'm never gonna get that. That's, that's new though, that's new. They didn't always have that. Yeah, they changed that in the last year or so, didn't they? Yeah, when yeah. I first started, I can monetize right away. And I was freaking great. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't very much, right? It wasn't like I was making hundreds of dollars when I first started. It was like 10 cents, you know, or, or 50 cents, you know? Right. But like, it was, it was less about the money, money and more about like the, the, uh, it just, it was just cool. Like the encouragement, you know, like hyping, you know, hypes me up. It wasn't even the check. It was like in the analytics, it was like just 10 cents popped up in the little, Oh yeah. So like, they couldn't even issue the check because it wasn't over the threshold, whatever it was, four hundred dollars or whatever it was, you know. Right. It was like a, a, a micro cent. Yeah. You know? In in your case, how long did it take you before you felt like maybe I can start thinking about not having a day job? Ooh. Um that's an interesting one because it's like so I've been doing this for five, four or five years. Okay. And there's been many times when I just want to quit and just do this full time. Um, but I kind of did something risky. I, I think a lot of people, you know, they blow up on YouTube and they're like, oh, I can, I can finally quit if I hit this number of, you know, whatever. Uh, but for me, it was kind of a risk because um, my channel was actually kind of, kind of dead uh, before Apex. Like um, I did Overwatch videos for a couple of years and 
I think one of the hardest things in this career, I don't know, everyone says it's really hard to grow a channel, but I think one of the hardest things is, like, maintaining a channel, like, keeping it up and, like, having people interested because, like, it was very frustrating to see, like, my numbers, my viewership just plummet over the course of some months. Right. Um, to the point where I was getting, like, uh, like you know, like, maybe three to 4,000 views, and which may sound good, but, like, you know, I was, I had, like, 100,000 subscribers at that point. Really? You know? Yeah, it was really fucking shit, man. Like, it was really bad. Like, every day, like, it, it was such a grind to, like, wake up and make videos when I know it was it would be a failure. Um, what what and, would you consider a failure? Like, you had a certain set of expectations. Yeah, well, like, I would hope that would be, be like, I, I don't know, when my channel was doing well on Overwatch, I was, I would hope that it would hit at least 10,000 or even 20,000 views. But right. like, when, it, when it's hitting, like, 3% of your subscriber base, I mean, that's when it's like, okay, what's going on, right? It um, Well, that's my question, too, is because I, I'm in the same boat. I mean, I guess every... YouTube content creators in that boat. I have X for subs. So I should get at least a fraction of X or better, unless of course it trips an algorithm and goes viral. So yeah, are you able to use your analytics to figure out perhaps why some videos don't land or is it just um, unpredictable? So so here's the thing with, with that. that I, I used to be really like, I used to care a lot about that ratio, but nowadays I'm less pressed about it okay because i think no like subs i hate to say it but like youtube like doesn't really like how youtube is set up i feel like subs don't even really matter so if you go into your um youtube app right like, yeah you go to the home page and then you see like the different tabs and most like i want to say like nine times out of ten most people don't even see the subscription tab uh right here you see that in the middle Mm -hmm. that's 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 a button for subscriptions like no one ever clicks that everyone browses on the home the home button right you see that on the, on the on the on that side yeah so basically when someone just logs on to to watch youtube whether they're a sub or not their their, their watching behavior is based off of their home page okay right? which is totally algorithm based uh, nine times out of ten people don't even know that sub tab even exists like no one even checks in that freaking corner, so that's why I'm just sort of like, eh, does this, does the sub count even really matter? So I started shifting my focus. I started caring more about less about like how many of my subs are coming back and checking that tab, and more about like how can I get the algorithm to push me onto people's home pages, right? You know what I mean, so that way it land, it, that way it's in their face whether they're a sub or not. You know what I mean? Right. Um, as opposed to just kind of float float around in this corner of the YouTube app that no one ever really checks anyways. So, I mean, some people do, some people do, but like, like nine times out of 10, whenever I ask people this shit, like people, people are like, Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that existed. Well, I feel like if you have a certain number of subs, like let's say you have a hundred thousand subs, a certain right. percentage of them choose to get notified when you do post a video. Right. So yeah. if you get that number big enough, it will pay off. I feel like I have to figure out, two algorithms one is for twitch and one is for youtube i feel like twitch i don't know i'm sure it has an algorithm but i don't i i think discoverability for twitch streamers is really really not great like i feel like youtube as much as people like to shit on the algorithm and and, and talk about how awful the algorithm is it's still an algorithm and and it can work in your favor twitch i feel like they, they only organize it based on view count i mean there is 
recommended recommended channels on the left hand side, but like, I don't know. I, I just I just think I think YouTube is a little bit easier to um, break out in. I agree. Also, because Twitch is live. And so if it doesn't happen on your stream, it's you don't get a chance to make something happen for it later. I mean, people right. I, I've noticed at least people don't tend to discover my Twitch streams after the fact. They will get some views, but they can discover my YouTube videos weeks, months after I've put them up. And I like that I have much more control creatively over what I put up there. So right. it's yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, YouTube always made more sense to me. I mean, I think we talked about a little little bit about it earlier, but it's like with YouTube, you invest X amount of hours into making a video, but that multiplies every time someone watches it, you know, and they can watch it anytime, whatever right. they want. But right. With Twitch, it's like you put in, you know, say X percent of your energy, that that's a very one-to-one -one ratio with, with how someone can consume your content. I mean, sure, there are VODs, but like, Really, when people are watching Twitch, they're watching for that interaction with, with the streamer yeah. live content. And so it's a very one-to-one -one transference. Whereas with YouTube, sure, you don't get that interaction, but um, you know, at, at least your efforts are getting like literally multiplied every time someone watches that video forever. It's interesting because I had Brian and Amelia on here last week from Deckard Games. And their position on YouTube is we use that to put our VODs up after we're done with our stream. It's basically a, an archive for them, but they put all their effort into their stream because they are super into the interaction with their stream and into the experience of playing a game. And they don't spend, because I even told Brian, I said, well, yeah, you could edit your videos into smaller clips and use that as promotion. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, he just, they, they have decided what they're going to do with their time. Whereas in your case... Huh. Yeah, in your case, you are putting a maximum effort into creating content for YouTube off your stream. And, right. the, and the stream for you is something that is obviously important, but it doesn't get the same number of hours each week, I would think, uh, at least not after the fact, you know, that you put right. into YouTube. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, I mean, maybe I'm a, a bit of an introvert or something, but like, I feel like one-to-one -one interaction is great, but I do get kind of worn out and exhausted from like it's literally grind like a lot of these streamers grind for like stream for like eight hours at a time i only do like four to six ish um but i find it really really tiring to to do twitch not, i'm not saying i don't enjoy it obviously i do yeah. enjoy it but it's just like for me uh, i mean sometimes i just like rather play without being live with my friends we'll laugh we'll have a good time i'll record that right edit on my own time uh and and put out the video in a nice packaged form but with Twitch, it's like, yeah, you're kind of locked down, right? Like, like when I stream, like, I have to make sure I eat. I yeah. Make sure I poop, like, get everything out. Yeah. Uh, make sure I got to get my, gotta get my water, got to say, you know, goodbye to the wife. And, you know, it's like a lot of this whole process <laughs> because, like, once you're sitting down, like, you're locked down for, like, a good five, six, seven hour, however long. It's like getting locked into a space capsule and launched into a low orbit. Yeah. I'll see you guys when I get back. Do you have all your dry goods to consume? Do you have everything else? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see you in a few hours. Uh, I'm going to go to the dark side of the moon now. <laughs> yeah, that's basically how it is. But with YouTube, it's like, you know, like I can record for an hour here, an hour there. Mm -hmm. I can get up to use the bathroom and take my time. I can go grab a snack. I can, you know, edit, you know, maybe maybe two hours in the morning, two hours at night. Um, you know, or if I, my wife wants to get lunch, I, I can't. I, I'm not like, oh, shit, I have to end my stream. I can be like, oh, I can just put down 
my 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 editing and just pick it back up when I get home. Like it's not that big of a deal. So yeah. But for me, I mean, I know all the, all the kids these days they want to be they want to be Twitch streamers. They how, how do I get big on Twitch? But I'm like, oh man, like for me, YouTube just makes so much more sense. Um, there was this video that was posted by uh, Alpha Shoots. Hold up, let me look this up real quick. Alpha. Sure. His name is Harris Teller. Okay. And he and he um, Alpha Gaming. So Harris Teller is like like the guru. Sorry, I just pulled up one of his videos. It's like the guru of of um, of Twitch streaming, right? So he's got like all these tutorials and stuff like that. But anyways, one interesting video that he did was talking about like the future of Twitch and how I forget the exact numbers, but it was like there's literally too many Twitch streamers. Like the, the number of viewers mm-hmm. per Twitch streamer is decreasing since 2014. Really? So yeah, it's like there's less viewers to go around because the number of people starting up a stream is outpacing the rate at which new viewers are coming on. So it's like it's becoming a smaller and smaller pond that, you know. So I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm obviously paraphrasing here, and, and this is just one guy's um, study or whatever, but it makes a lot of sense to me. It's like, you know, people can't watch – I mean, maybe some people can watch two streams at once. But, like, with, with YouTube, people can watch, like, five videos in a session. With streams, it's like they can they can really only watch – conceivably maybe like one at a time sure maybe they can stream hop to like maybe three different streamers but like that viewer that view only counts for i think only one streamer so i would be interested to see the amount of time the average streamer spends Mm -hmm. relative to their age and as you start to get up in age you see a an inverse amount of time on the stream because the the viewers no i would say the streamer I would say uh, your average streamer who's maybe 22 can probably go for eight hours and barely feel it. Whereas right. I'm 50, I'm probably in the top 1% of the average streamer age-wise. I don't know. I don't know because I have no idea what Just Chatting is all about. I wandered into Just Chatting once and I thought, I don't know if I'm ever going to go back there. That is a crazy place. So, yeah. But I, I'll go for about two hours. All right. Two hours, two and a half hours. After that, I start to think, I got other things I need to be doing, right? Like yesterday I did three hours and 15 minutes. And at the end of it, I was kind of a zombie. I don't, I do not have the inclination to go any longer than that. And when I was younger, I know I could have done it. No problem. No problem. But your focus changes and your, your stamina for things like that changes. I definitely get, I mean, I'm 29 now and I, um, I mean, I'm obviously I'm not old, old, but like, I'm, you know, there's like some very real life realities coming up. Like I have a son who's going to be coming next month. So I have to Hey, like, congratulations. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited. But yeah. So, you know, going to streaming, it's like, you know, how much, like, come on, like how often can I realistically sit down for six hours a day and just like not help the wife out with the kid? With a, with a newborn, um, with a newborn, right? would you, yeah, so would you like an answer to that question right now? Yeah, go. Don't get attached to your stream, brother. Not at yeah, I'm not. You I'm get... thinking about taking like a couple of weeks off when the kid's first born, and I'm just going to focus on YouTube. So that, like I said earlier, it's like way more flexible, right? Like I can record for an hour here, an hour there. Yeah. Spend time with the kid. I, yeah. Like a couple hours, spend time with the kid. You know, like so that's, with streaming, it's like, ah, shit, you know, what, what am I going to do? 
I'm going to make a prediction here. Uh, first of all, you're, you're not going to go anywhere, obviously. You're still going to be a streamer. You're still going to make your content. Right. It's going to be awesome. Um, and your content is going to be similar to what you're making now. Uh, and I'm sure you have friends who have kids who've already relayed some of their war stories to you. You, you must have one or two, right? Yes. Okay. So you're not going to sleep a lot in the first few months. It's just not going to happen. So, great. yeah. So you, I'm sure you've already been told, get your sleep now. It'll be okay, but I would bank some extra content now if I could. It's, uh, you're yeah. going you're gonna to walk around like, what the? What? Who? What? Yeah, it's like, what's up, Andrew? We have uh, we have a kid. It's like, oh, dude, don't worry about it. I totally got you. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, like I, I'm probably gonna take like when kid comes around, I'm definitely going to take a you know, I, mentally I'm gonna say like, okay, I don't have the stream for two weeks, but like if I need more time, I mean, maybe I just won't stream anymore. But like you know, like realistically, I gotta do what's right for the kid. I gotta between YouTube and Twitch, I would yeah. pick YouTube. You know what I mean? Well, you'll so. still you'll still be able to stream. I, I am confident that you're still going to be able to stream. I just don't think you're going to get four to six hours in a row every time you stream. I think that is no. maybe less likely, unless you have a relative that you want to have move in with you. And then, well, uh, you know, my yeah. mom is coming. Her, my wife's mom is living with us for the first three months, which will, which will be nice. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Are you kidding? All yeah, right. So it's going to help. But I still want to be there and, and help. Sure. So like... I will say this. Um, I am, uh, look, I'm an actor. I was in touch with my emotions before I had kids. But uh -huh. after having kids, they got a little closer to the surface. You just feel things a bit deeper now. You got more stake in the game now. Yeah. I, I always have people in my chat wondering, oh, my God, Candy, are you going to keep doing YouTube and stuff when the kids born? I'm like, well, okay. Like, first of all, duh. And second, like, how the fuck else is the kid going to. Yeah. Like, if kid's not going to feed itself, I mean, right. it's still not going to pay itself either, so. Yeah, the, you, know. you know, they're not delivering diapers to my door for free, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Huggies, you want to sponsor? Uh, sponsor me? <laughs> that'd, be, that'd, be, that'd be done. I can yeah. get you a steady stream of Apex water at cost, so. <laughs> Apex water. Hmm. Pickle, pickle jar is what I got. Pick it, you got if it's moonshine, but it's not. It's water. Yeah, Kandaroo done got himself a still in his basement. He's pumping out 180 <laughs> proof. Yeah, fun fact, stream and YouTube channel. You, no one's ever seen me sober. That is, that's, that's the twist. Yeah. That's the plot twist. Kandaroo's changing his gamer tag to White Lightning. Like like some people, not not everybody, but uh, I'm, I'm a little bit precious with where I live. Like everybody knows I live in L.A., but I don't get any more specific than that do you yeah. do people know what city you game out of no. or do you you keep that close to the vest i keep that shit airtight or well, i try to do anyways uh i mean i live in jersey and i'm close to new york um okay there's like a billion towns like the towns of new jersey are really small so it's like i think safety is really important and like i live i live in a like a condo so it's like you know like it's pretty safe you hear horror stories of like the doc, you know, his his house getting shot up and stuff, which is terrible, or God forbid, swatting or something, you know. Yeah, I didn't hear about that. Well, I mean, I don't know the streaming world as well as you, but there was a streamer who got his house shot up? Yeah, so Dr. Disrespect. He oh, like, Disrespect. Okay, yeah. Right, so like a couple, I'm going to say a few years back, like he was streaming and like someone came out of the house and shot twice through a window upstairs and it went through and, and it hit the bathroom wall or something so like someone could have gotten hurt and he has yeah a daughter right there. 
okay a young kid so like he was very upset yeah it's just not cool yeah like i i've never watched his stream i know he does not put out the the warmest friendliest vibe but that's kind of what he does he's a character it's clear right. he's playing a character but people like i said you know I've, I've come across a couple of trolls there are people that just live in their own little strange bubble and i don't think the world gets in just a lot a lot of interesting folks <laughs> it's just yeah. folks out there. Uh, yeah, I uh, I have a couple of friends who've done pretty well in on camera, and I have a friend who was on a soap opera when he was a kid, and uh -huh. he told me the fan mail he got. These are people that would sit around the agency where I'm a client, and a lot of them are voice actors, but they are also on camera. One guy played a serial killer in a movie that came out in like 1980, 81. He said based on playing that character, he got 800 marriage proposals in the mail. Really. This was back in the days when there was no email. People sat down and wrote a letter, put a stamp on it, dropped it off in the mailbox. Very intentional, yeah. It, yeah, it wasn't like I'm at the bus stop and I'm just bored and like, hey, I want to marry you. No, they thought about this. They probably corrected their spelling, started another draft, and they mailed it to him. And another guy was on a soap as a kid, and he said there was one person that was a regular watcher of the soap, and they sent me a... Um, uh, a piece of fan mail saying, hey, um, I don't know if you realize this, but you're being watched every day by millions of people and they can see into your life. So they, in other words, thought that his character was a real person and that, that crazy? they thought they were watching the Truman Show oh before God. the Truman Show came along. They thought that oh they were God. being monitored through the TVs. You know, honestly, I don't know. Everyone's talking about, you know, being famous and stuff. But I'd rather, if, I, if I got to pick between being wealthy or famous, I would pick wealthy. Every single time. Yeah. Even if I even if I could be wealthy and famous, I'm like, you know, I wouldn't want to be famous. Just wealthy is good. When I got into the business, I wanted to be famous. When I, I started as a stand-up comic. And so I thought, no, I want to be famous. I want everyone to know me. I want to get all the nice treatment at, at hotels and restaurants and in airports. And as I got older, I thought, yeah, I think money uh, would be <laughs> just fine. Uh, I got yeah. a few friends that were famous. And I, and I achieved a certain level of recognition that like in the voiceover world, I have what I call selective fame. If I go to a con, if I go to certain places where I'm known, great. You know, you get the glad hand from a few people. That's great. That's all I need. I don't need to walk down the street and get hassled. Um, no, I'm I, good. I, I've seen paparazzi camped out in front of uh, apartments and houses before. Ugh. And uh, yeah, and then you see this sort of uh, just phalanx of cars come out and they're just blocking oh, so this person, forbid. yeah, can just go out somewhere. I, so. I haven't been, so obviously I'm not really that famous. Like I wouldn't really even consider myself famous, but like I have been recognized a few times in public, which is kind of wild. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I don't go, I don't go out that much, but I'm sure if I went out more, I'd be recognized more. But like, okay. but the last time I went to the mall, which is like, Last year, I think it was like a while ago. Um, okay. Last few times, I got recognized by uh, a young kid, a young fan uh, uh -huh. at Shake Shack, and that was kind of a cool experience. You can't. Yeah. Jump to me. I was like, oh my god, are you really, are you really Candy Roo? And I was like, yeah, dude, and like we kind of talked and like took a picture together. Um, so that was kind of cool. It happened like last summer, last uh, August. I don't remember. Okay. Like, last last year, a while ago. Right. And then the other time was, um. EA had flown us out to like check out season three for Apex, and on the flight back, I was walking down the aisle of the plane, 
as some like Asian guy was like waving me down. And I thought it was someone from the event that I waved back. He was right. like, oh man, I watch you every day. You're awesome. So like, I guess those moments are kind of cool. Like, yeah. you know, like I, you know, it's always kind of neat to see that you have like an effect on people's lives and, yeah. you know. 99.9% of it is very, very positive. Like I, I've done uh, a handful of uh, Comic-Cons in San Diego and everybody's always super cool. I mean, they're there to cheer you on. They're there specifically because they want to be there. In person, I don't get recognized. I live in an area where um, that generally just doesn't happen. There are a lot of very famous people around. And so they just sort of, they, they soak all of that attention. They, suck all, the attention. they yeah. suck all the oxygen out. And I am fine with that. I'll just put my head down and go right on over to the supermarket and get my food. And be cool with that. Even Jim Carrey said, I wish everybody could be rich and famous so they would see that it does not solve any of your problems. It might create new ones, honestly, if you're not, you don't have your head on straight. Yeah, actually, I have seen it happen with a couple of people that sort of, they, they, hit, uh, they hit a certain level of fame. Like, I was, I was not friends with somebody, but I was friendly with them. Like, a buddy of mine was good friends with them. I hung out with them a few times and enough to where we could joke and talk and they'd seen some of my stand up and all that. And they had already worked a little bit in movies. And then they booked the part that every young actor in Hollywood kind of wanted. And I talked to them right before it all blew up. And that was the last time I saw them. I think I saw them one other time uh, and they came to one of my shows and I had a brief chat with them and that was it. Now it's just magazine covers for them. And uh, the, and I read articles about how at first they kind of had a problem with that level of attention, and wow. they've they've found their way now. And yeah. and this was a this was a guy who was smart and pretty much had his head on straight already. I think I think being recognized in a community is nice, but like I think I mean I don't think I don't think I'm nearly that level of fame or anything. So it's kind of manageable right now, right? Like you know I get recognized in games, which is kind of cool. People are yeah. chill, yeah, um, and supportive. So it's kind of like contained to like this subculture, subgenre of yeah. video game FPS battle. You know, it's, there's so many levels to it that I, I think I'm still pretty, pretty contained. You know what I mean? Yeah, you game on PC, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, now the, see in Xbox, I have messages. So because I'm part of this Xbox Live ecosystem where you have mex- messages and invites and parties and things like that. So my message queue is always full. For the most part, I don't think I've ever seen a negative message come from someone. That's pretty good. Yeah, well, I, I think they're coming now that I've said something. It's like, oh, well, okay, fuck you. I've been meaning to tell you. You know, I figure at some point I'll get one of those. But um, do you have like a message inbox? I don't know how it works with PC. Uh, I get a lot of friend requests, but no, yeah. I try I try to seal myself off like really good. Okay. Uh, like on Twitter, like you know, if, if I don't know you, it goes to your to the message request folder. Okay. I don't really check my Twitter DMs. Um, I mean, like obviously I have my comments, which which are generally pretty good. But I I think uh, as guys, as, at least for me, anyways, I feel like for for girls, they can get like a lot worse. Yeah, I think we've like, yeah. Like stalkers and shit. Like that's just weird uh so i'm i'm grateful that i i don't have that um no i mean like on pc like it's pretty insulated like i i I can't accept any message requests from people on origin or anything so it is important to have like boundaries with yeah your fans you know i mean it's not like saying like i'm better than my fan or no it's something like that it's just like 
I think at the end of the day, we're all still human. And for me anyways, like I can really only have like a, a social circle of X amount of people right. before it gets kind of weird. So like if theoretically I was to become friends with all my fans, I think I'd be kind of worn out pretty thin. Um, so, so that's something I'm kind of learning too. It's like on streams, like I, I'm beginning a lot more of like, uh, let's just say like younger audience members that are like, you know, like, don't understand, like, social boundaries and cues of, like, when to stop asking a question, what's not okay to ask, what is okay to ask. So I've been kind of, like, been a bit more proactive about, like, kind of just been like, hey, that's kind of rude to ask, or like, hey, look, like, I'm not really interested in doing this, whatever you're asking me to do. Um, I, I don't know you, I, I, I can't really play with you, um, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know, I just think it's kind of important, uh, just for my own mental sanity to kind of be able to kind of put that up. Because it gets kind of exhausting, really. I don't have the same volume that you do, but I have uh, was already kind of ready for some of it just based on some of the fan mail I get uh, as a voice actor. And fan mail has slowed down because people don't write letters anymore. Yeah, I was so, going to say, how many people even write letters? I find that a lot of them find me through YouTube. They'll see that I have videos up and they'll just slide into the comments and they get to say yeah. the same thing. So Right, that's like fan mail, basically. I don't want to turn the comments off. I want people to be free to say whatever they want to say. Right. So usually if somebody is trolling, the rest of the comment section comes after them. So it right. tends to police itself. Sometimes I like to do, I sometimes I like to be extra evil. And like, if someone says some like some really stupid shit, that's like really dumb and like toxic. I'll like heart their comment. So like their comment goes like the top of the comment section. Oh really? But like, yeah, like it, I think a lot of times it filters by like your, if who, like it organizes it by what the, the creator harding a comment or whatever anyways so like that usually like gives them a bit more visibility I'm like i'm like i don't feel like answering this but i'll let other people answer for me and it's, it's just great i had that happen on reddit the way i came by it was fairly innocent i just i got an xbox for my kid and we they played games sometimes and my brother said you really should um you really should play this game it's fun and he said yeah i don't play your character but the game is still fun and I said, okay, yeah. He says, yeah, I like to play Mirage, but... Um, Your character's like the most popular one, though. I I have no idea how uh, among the characters who the most yeah, popular... I thought... Yours is definitely... Yeah, I thought you, I thought Wraith was like the most popular, but... Uh, yeah, it's between Wraith and Pathfinder, okay. I'd say. I appreciate that, you know, hearing about that. But he said, try and play, you know, and I was awful, but I thought it's really kind of funny that I can capture a few minutes of video on my Xbox and make a funny video. Here's the voice of Pathfinder, and he's awful. And, <sighs> um, and I put it on Reddit, and I started doing this regularly on Reddit. And I found that occasionally somebody would just hate that I did it. Ugh. They just, they, they, I hate Reddit. yeah, well, I'm, I'm kind of done with Reddit because I peaked. And then now when I put up something on Reddit, people just kind of don't give a shit. But I noticed that the upvotes on, if somebody put out like a really toxic comment, I would look to see how many negative downvotes it would get. Oh and sometimes, gosh. yeah, sometimes as bad as what a person would say would be, what the fans of the video would say back to them would almost be worse. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I would see these little skirmishes, yeah, break out. And uh, I thought... No, no, thanks. Reddit like, never really worked out for... I think, I think Reddit's a great resource to, like, read. Yeah. I mean, Reddit. But, like, as far as, like, trying to, like, post stuff to, like, benefit the community, forget it. Like, it's... No yeah. Thanks. I think for me, it's like you. It's Twitch and YouTube, and I just bounce back and forth. 
Right. Has it always been sort of, uh, I do this week to week, month to month, or do you have sort of a one year, five year long range uh, plan for yourself as far as your content? Well, it was only like, till like really, like really, really recently that I started making like an income where like I'm really, really proud of, you know, I, okay. mean, like, I would say, I would say like I started making all my old, so basically I quit, I quit my, my last job um, last, about a year ago, actually exactly last March. And it took like a good six months before I was able to like make that amount back. You know what I mean? So it was like really honestly relatively, well, yeah, it was like pretty, pretty recent that I started making like double then triple, you know, at this point, maybe even quadruple, you know, like, but the thing is, is like, it's really hard to tell what your earnings is going to be. Like, I can't tell like, Hey, I'm going to earn X amount of dollars in a year. You know what I mean? Because right. it's not salary. It's like a lot of things can change. Like maybe if I don't get, a lot of sponsorships um, this particular quarter, or I don't know what if what if ad rates really tank for whatever reason, you know. So it kind of fluctuates a lot. Um, so I guess for me, I, like YouTube is a career, and I think Twitch streaming is a career. But like, can I conceivably conceivably see myself doing this exact content until I'm fucking forty five? Like I don't know, probably not. So like, um, I think in the back of my head, it's like I really want to ride this wave as much as I can and hopefully earn enough to like start, uh, like, you know, like maybe, well, I, I was thinking about like buying property, but like after renting property and, and actually buying some, I realized how much the hassle it is. So maybe like, you know, start investing in certain things and kind of just, mm -hmm. and, and do, doing that kind of thing. Um, but, and, and again, and again, I guess maybe if, you know, I don't always, I, I probably won't be doing Apex Legends forever, but I'm sure there's always another, game or, or mm. type of content I'll, I'll jump into maybe one day I'll do vlogs you know and figure out how to explode in that you know what I mean or figure out like maybe there'll be another big game coming out in a couple of years that I'll, I might hop over to we'll kind of see I mean I think this whole landscape in general is pretty new you think about it like YouTube was came out in 2005 or 2006 something like that mm. so it's really only been 15 years and like I, I don't know I, I just feel like it's, it's still a little too early we haven't seen anyone who's like super old still doing you know like since the beginning when they're like really young and they've been doing it all their life kind of thing we haven't seen that yet so i'm kind of curious to see what the next five ten years is gonna look like for a lot of these youtube people who are making content i mean what you're basically talking about is the the idea of pivoting so you mm -hmm. you do this for a while perhaps the momentum is slowing or perhaps your passion for it slows it's time to pivot and maybe slingshot into something new. It will be based on, and it's a cliche, but it is true, a brand. Everyone out there who creates content has to establish a brand, something that people who consume their content can regularly depend on getting. For you, they know it's going to be gameplay and it's going to be pretty chill. It's going to be fun. It's going to be from your POV. How do you pivot if you decide to pivot from that? Well, you're still Candy Roo. It's like, all right, right. here's my take on a completely different phenomena that's happening. Yeah, and, and I think that's a big reason why, like, I always, I don't know, so like, so, so when I started making videos back in 2015, like, I, I kind of set out with this mindset, like, hey, I kind of want to figure out how YouTubers grow, like, what, what makes the video explode, this must be some sort of science to it, right? Like, I guess, based on my, my background, that's kind of like the way I thought of it. Um, so I started, like, making, like video guide, like I, I would Google like how to grow on YouTube and a lot of the stuff that comes out comes up is like SEO, which is uh, search engine optimization, like mm -hmm. keywords and like figuring out stuff that's searchable. And so 
I ended up doing like a lot of guide content, like a lot of how-to stuff, which I think, I think is great in the beginning uh, for like initial traffic, but I think it, it can also be a trap for a lot of creators. So like about like a year or two into it, I was like, I don't feel like making you know another twenty tips on how to play Pathfinder again or whatever <laughs> it was, you know. Like I don't really care about this shit. Most people are probably better than me at this point, you know. The game has been out for a while. Um, th- I'm not talking about Apex, just like whatever game I was playing at the time years ago, right? I started noticing this pattern where it was like, if I make only guide content, people only come back for the information. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I always wanted to make be more of like a personality, more of like someone who could just m- put up a gameplay video that's entertaining and kind of like be an entertainer mm-hmm. rather than someone who just like spits out, you know, top 10 tips for playing FPS games. You know what I mean? Cause like number six no will a, shock you. Number six will shock you. Like yeah. no one gives a shit about me when I was doing that. Like no one cares about the voice speaking, the person behind all that. They only care about the information. And God forbid, if I post a video that isn't interesting to them, they wouldn't even watch it. Right. But I figured if I, if I can make, if I can position my personality, whatever little there is, to, to be appealing to people, then maybe they can come back when they see a candy video or my face on a thumbnail, then they'll come back for the times and the personality rather than, you know, oh, am I interested in learning about how to, you know, I don't know, to do whatever in X game, you know what I mean? So I, I hear this a lot. It's like, I mean, to this day, I have YouTubers coming up to me and they're like, yo, like, how do you do gameplay content? Like, I really don't want to do news and guides anymore. And I, and I kind of have to, like, kind of, like, walk, you know, t- tell them it's like a long journey because it's like really hard to do um because making guides and making tips and tricks videos is like really really easy to grow off of because it's like searchable like it's 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 mm-hmm. it's, it's you can game it with, with the algorithm but like in the long run i think it hurts you because it's like after six months to a year people don't give a shit about you know, basic tips on how to play apex legends anymore right yeah i would say your your brand would have to be the guy who knows and so if if you well, trust guy who knows exactly that you would have to be sort of the go to for everything. And so how do you I mean, your continuing education would be a monster. So, yeah, they stop coming to you because, oh, well, I found a guy who knows better. So yeah, they can watch Asu, They can watch Imperial How or any of those pro play like like. Usually with guides and news channels on YouTube, there's usually just one, maybe two per game. Like in Overwatch, I would say it's your Overwatch. Those guys have been killing it since day one uh. as far as like the different guides and tips. But in general, like I think it's it's better in the long run. And and for me personally, I have more of like a mental sanity to like entertain people and and not have to worry about like oh shit, you know what? Like, how, how am I gonna think of the next? tips and tricks video or whatever. I've paid attention to the videos that I've been putting out that have to do with Apex and the way people respond to them. And, you know, the ones where I'm just playing in the stream and I'm doing a voice here and there, you know, those those get about the kind of views I would predict. They get, you know, like 25 to 50% of my sub count is around where they get, at least in right. the first couple of weeks. Down right. the line, they get more. So people appreciate them, but they don't have a huge splash. The videos that I make that have the biggest splash and to get the biggest count of viewer count on uh, Twitch is when I interview somebody mm-hmm. and when I squat up with somebody. So mm-hmm. like I squatted up with Roger 
And my numbers were, I mean, they were on a par with your numbers. And I think part of it was because I got raided by bigger streamers. They like, hey, we've all wanted to see this. So I figured out very quickly, and this was obvious, people don't come to my stream for the gameplay. They come because Pathfinder's playing and because I get interesting people on my stream that I get to talk to that other people are already fans of. My longevity in the streaming and online content world is going to be based on my ability to have someone that everybody knows and likes come and hang out with me for a while and feel comfortable talking, and my ability to get somebody else as part of a game, any game, and squat up with me and hopefully we have a good time. That means every stream I do that's not that is basically the appeal of it is, he might do some Pathfinder stuff. I, there is a contingency of loyal people who appreciate that I'm a nice guy and that I'm very positive. I've already sort of honed in on the fact that if I'm going to do this, because you're right, it can be a grind. If I'm going to do it, it's going to be focusing on those two aspects. I try to tell people too, the editing, the editing is the real grind of it. That people think, oh, you just, you play the game and then you go and look at the video and you make a few cuts and then you put it up. It's like, if I'm going to edit these things properly to where they're really entertaining, that's ours. I think that is, I mean, that'll come with time. You, you definitely get faster with it over time. I think that's one of the fallacies with people with people who want to get into know, content creation in general and they say, mm-hmm. oh, I want to be a Twitch streamer. My instinct is that they're just saying that because it seems easier to just kind of like set up and switch it on and just play a video game and be popular, right? Or I think if they invested themselves into learning how to edit, learning how to make thumbnails and stuff, I think that's that's a really useful skill too that I think they shouldn't count out as far as like building out a building up a YouTube channel as well. If God forbid, if my channel just gets deleted one day or if my Twitch stream gets banned or some for whatever reason, like I can still walk away from that and be like, okay, I know how to work Photoshop, uh, I know how to edit on Premiere. Mm-hmm. Um, I know all about sitting with, up, up a stream and how to work a microphone and, and, and I know how to build a channel. You know what I mean? Right. So I think, I think my advice for a lot of people wanting to get into, uh, into uh, content creation is like, don't, don't just think I want to, I'm just going to grind 10 hours a day streaming, playing yeah. a video game yeah. on Twitch and I'll grow. Cause I know people who have done like years of their life into doing that and had nothing to show for. And that's scary. Right. That's like terrifying to me. I don't know. I just, I just think it's terrifying to have that sort of reality check. My uncle, my wise uncle used to tell me, think smart. If you're going to be thinking anyway, then you need to think a little smarter, which means you need to work smart, which means you need to figure out how to get from A to B in half the time it might take other people. You're going to make mistakes, learn from them. So if you're streaming and nobody's catching on, uh, how much time do you give it before maybe you get some feedback? After a while, you, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, you gave up. No, sometimes you realize one avenue is, is fruitless. Start down a different avenue. And uh, you, it's not failure. It's simply learning. Yeah, I think a lot of trap people get into is like, they just do the same shit over. I mean, I did this shit too. It's like you get stuck in this rut where you just mm-hmm. do the same thing over and over again because it feels uh, creatively stable you know what i mean like right i think as a creative like you're afraid to try out new stuff uh because you know what if your fans don't like it what if your numbers are worse um but one of the big things that helped me as 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 someone who kind of kind of brought my channel back um like honestly the first few months of apex it it was really hard like i was getting like a thousand views per video which is uh-huh. really terrible and i had to get out of this mental space of of just 
of like being so afraid of trying new shit. So one day I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I, my views, my views are bad anyways. I'm just gonna try new stuff, even if mentally I think it's gonna fail. I'm just gonna put it out there. I'm gonna give. I'm, it's gonna fail. I'm gonna give it some time to breathe, and maybe the algorithm will pick it up. And it took about like one or two months before I saw any major movement. Um, okay, realistically, like about three weeks until I saw some like movement in my in my view count. Uh, with with the newer stuff that I was putting out, so so that was basically a pivot. So you decided, yeah, so, making it this way doesn't work. What did you do differently? Wow, well, so I went on this huge tangent. Um, so basically, when I when I was doing Overwatch, I was trying to do the gameplay stuff, which was working for a time, but then it kind of died, and I was going to getting another three to four thousand views on Overwatch. So any YouTube, any gaming YouTuber would know that, like, usually if you switch a game. It's going to get even worse views because that's just not what your audience is familiar with, right? Right. Yeah, I have an Overwatch audience, dwindling, sure, tiny, sure, but it was still getting me four to five K views per video, which is not great. Yeah. But it's what I can get. When I switched to Apex, it was only 1,000 to 2,000, which mm-hmm. is terrible, which is like even worse, right? So it's like this mental fear of like, oh, fuck, like I'm, I'm, I'm sinking even lower, you know, I'm being dragged down. So like, that's where that fear thing kind of comes in. It can be paralyzing because like I'm just kind of stuck just doing the same shit and not knowing what's happening. Or for a lot of people, they just would just go back to doing Overwatch because they'll be like, oh man, Apex just didn't work out. But for me, what I ended up doing was, I was like, okay, when, when, when we're looking at YouTube, what matters? We're looking at click-through rate, which is how many times the percentage people click on your video, uh-huh. which is like your thumbnails needs to be improved, right? Your title, thumbnails, and your watch time. Right, so like how long someone watches your video, or would and, that be retention rate, or is it uh, more watch time for you? So I'm not sure what it is now, but I just focused on the raw time. So I was making like six minute, eight minute videos with Overwatch. I was like, what if I just made a twenty minute video? Right, like sure, maybe maybe people only watch like twenty percent of that, but twenty percent of twenty minutes is. Uh, Okay, hold on. Let's, let's, let's say thirty percent of that, right? So that's still okay. like five to six minutes. You know what I mean? Like right. That's still a, a decent amount of time, as opposed to just like forty percent on a eight minute video. Basically, the math worked out to be like if I just made a longer video, then I can get more people watching. And honestly, it wasn't even a thirty percent retention. It was like forty to fifty, right? So it's pretty good. Right there, yeah. Already right there, I'm doubling my watch time, even if. Yeah, sure, even if people click off early and hardly, maybe way less people watch till the end, those who watch to the end kind of like dragged that average up a little bit. Right. So that definitely helped my channel grow like a lot. It was just, and I was scared because I was like, what if people get bored? Like, don't, who the fuck has, has time to watch a 20 minute video? And truthfully, like, you know, a lot of people, some people don't, but like, it was enough people who did, like, enough people who did, who had enough time to watch a 20 minute video made that difference you know, that boosted that average watch time up to the point where like my videos getting recommended, um, around more and, and kind of like, you know, uh, uh, hit the algorithm the right way. And it was kind of like, sure. Like I, I would only get 1000 to 2000 views per video, but I, I just kind of like just chilled for a second. Did, didn't freak out too much over that failure and just waited for like three weeks. And then like slowly you can check in the real time graph with the real time graph. On mm-hmm. YouTube, it's like you can see like a trickle of a bit, like maybe like 50% more views per minute, you know, like a little bit more, a little bit more. And like it was kind of like embers to a fire where like those views kind of just grew more and more over time. 
I start to kind of get a bit more momentum that way with YouTube. As you made longer videos, the overall watch time went up. And right. the overall watch time, because I'm still learning these algorithms, as you get a longer watch time per video, the video will sort of tick boxes for the algorithms on YouTube right. and get it recommended YouTube, more. Yeah, because YouTube okay. wants videos that keeps videos keeps viewers on their website, right? Because they got to surf the ads. Why would they ever want that, Candy Roo? <laughs> so, so if you, if you think about that and think backwards, okay, you have, to, you have to think, okay, so basically I have to figure a way to get people to click on my videos. So I start thinking, okay. And it's not just making like random gameplay highlights. I need to come up with a topic, an interesting topic that that kind of, kind of would be something people didn't know they would want to watch. And then I got I then I got to make this topic 20 minutes long. Nowadays it's like not to keep not now have like 30 minutes worth of video that I have to trim down or 40 minutes, you know. So it's like the reverse now. But like right. Um. So so my line of thinking was like, okay, I can get people through the door with an interesting topic, an interesting thumbnail. And I can keep, if I can just like increase, literally just increase the raw amount of time my videos can go for, not eight minutes, not 10 minutes, not even like 15 minutes, but say 20, 25, mm-hmm. then, then, then maybe the average viewer, you know, sure, maybe a lot of them only watch for two minutes or five minutes, but like maybe there's some that watch for 15 or 17 or 20, you know, like you're giving people that opportunity to, to even watch that long. So that, I don't know, that, that, that's the way I thought of it. Uh-huh. Maybe it's completely wrong now, but like it's just what worked for me at the time. Whenever I'm setting out to achieve something and I have a goal, I start with where I want to end and I work backwards. So mm-hmm. if I want to end up with, say, your level of engagement on YouTube, followers uh, or, or subs, that's the thing. Subs on YouTube are basically followers on Twitch. So it's free to do and you get notified when you're when you're active. So if I want that level of engagement, I have to make the videos that draw the people in. How do I do that? Well, the content is not as much of a problem because every week I usually try and have some sort of event, whether it's an interview, a squad up. I have learned slowly that I almost have to be counterintuitive. There are so many ways to learn how to do something that appears to be simple, but there's so many complicated algorithms, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, man. It's just one of those things where it took me years to figure this out. Um, a lot of it was m- me holding myself back because I feel like if I had kind of the, the courage or the guts to kind of like try new shit earlier, you know, I, I probably would be here faster, right? But, um, Maybe that's just like one of those life things. We just kind of. I yeah. If I can uh, go, if I can go old man on you, um, <laughs> I do. I do that a lot. Where do you think this cap comes from? This is my old man cap. Uh-huh. But um, that's exactly the way you're supposed to feel when you figure it out. And you you go back and you go, oh, if only I had seen this. Like yeah, but you didn't. You know, and that's why you see it now, because you had to get it wrong first. And the way you look at it, you could be like Thomas Edison and say, I never failed. I just found 10,000 ways not to do something. And then I got it right. So I believe me, my stand up career, I look back on and say, oh, if only I had tried this or done that. I look back and say, I'm glad I didn't do any of that stuff, because if it had if it had gotten me fame, then I would be a comic who has to tour a lot in order to keep that going. And I have a family. I don't like to leave them. 
I like to be exactly where I am, doing exactly what I want. So all of those quote unquote mistakes were simply points where I learned. And that's what you've done. I mean, people would give their left arm to have the level of engagement you have right now. And they would have no problem with quote unquote making your mistakes to get there. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember for the longest time I wanted, I would look at YouTubers that are like my size now, I'm like, fuck man, what are they doing? That is, that, that's just so special. And I can kind of figure it out. Yeah. You know? I, I don't know. It's, it's just funny how I, I remember used to, I used to think like, oh man, if I could just get a hundred thousand views yeah. per video, I'm, I'm yeah. good. I'm, I'm yeah. set. But now it's like, you know, it's 200,000 is now the number. Yep. So it'll be, 400,000 or whatever, you know? So it's like the, the goalpost <laughs> always keeps moving. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm enjoying it. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying doing this as a living. Um, I, you know, I, I am, I want to say I am very lucky and I, and I think I am, but I, I also have put a lot of work into, into this too. Like, like people look at the results and they're like, oh man, like, especially a lot of these hate comments, they're like, oh man, like, these YouTubers, you know, making so much money, just playing by playing video games. I'm like, you didn't, you weren't here when I would be waking up at, you know, 4 a.m. in the morning, walking mm-hmm. through the frigid, cold New York weather to get to work just so I can come home earlier to grind on my YouTube channel. Like, you didn't, right. you, you weren't with me through those years of, like, really, really hard work. And honestly, it's, like I said, it's only really until recently that I started making like a decent living for myself, I feel. You know what I mean? Well, people see 1%. When I would do stand-up, people would tell me after the show, oh man, it looks like so much fun what you guys do. It must be so much fun to be a comic for a living. They didn't see me having to sit and write the jokes and have them fail a few times before they worked. They didn't see me have to call up the booker and try to get booked for the gig. They didn't see me spend my own money to get to the gig. They didn't see me have to deal with hecklers. They didn't see me have to deal with the gig getting canceled after I drove eight hours to get there. They see the 1% and they don't see the 99. And the reason why they don't do it is because the 99% scares the shit out of them. And yeah, so it's hard. It's yeah. not easy. You know, yeah. sure, we're not laying bricks. We're not out there right. doing construction, but like, it's not easy getting to where we're at. So that's why, I don't know. That's why I, like, I'll never like shit talk another creator because like, I don't know. I, I feel like after going through it myself, I've kind of have a respect for a lot of creators because I know they too must have had stories like mine where yeah. they've take, taken on like really shitty jobs to like, you know, do this at the same time. And mm-hmm. I know they probably had the mental fortitude to be able to overcome, you know, the thought of giving up or, you know, whatever, or, or, or they have the, the introspection to be able to learn from their mistakes and be honest with themselves and be like, hey, this shit ain't working. I'm going to be honest with myself, what can I do to change? Because a lot of people, I don't think, have that. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of right. people just be like, oh, it, it didn't work. It didn't work out for me. I don't know what else to do. And they, they give up. So that's why, I mean, I I, I don't say I'll never shit talk a creator, but, like, so far, I haven't, like, I I, I can never <laughs> really critique another creator because I, cause I feel like at the end of the day, we all worked really hard to get here. Maybe, maybe, okay, maybe there's, like, 1% out there who didn't. But, like, Generally, most of us are professionals and we've all, you know, put in our hours. Yeah, I've seen it happen in stand up. There was somebody that started around the same time that my friends and I started back in uh, Florida. And I was a little bit older and I was a little bit beyond where they were when they started. But we could all see that this person was going to get huge. And that's exactly what happened. They passed everybody like we were standing Mm -hmm. still. 
and they got they basically got famous and are still pretty well known. And mm-hmm. um, the one thing I could see that they did, I mean, they they knew how to package what they did very very well. But also, I think they had a business degree too. And like, and I'm I'm not giving uh, away who it is. That's why I'm using playing the pronoun game. They understood exactly how to get from A to B in half the time. And I I wouldn't say that they're necessarily more talented than a lot of other famous comics. I just say that they're very, very smart about what they wanted and they were extremely disciplined. And whenever there were failures and setbacks, it just they just sort of shrugged it off and kept going and yeah. did not stop them. And um so, you know, I don't know if they're happier now that they're rich and famous than they might have been before. I can't climb in their head. But what they wanted was money and fame, and they got it. And they right. were single-mindedly determined to get there. I think, I think that's something really admirable. I don't know. I think that's something really, really admirable in, in, in people who have that sort of laser focus and, and stuff kind of make something otherwise. I don't know. I feel like in today's society, there's there's a lot of like, uh, okay, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm generalizing here a bit, but I feel like um, people have, I mean, in general have this bias towards like uh, people who are big, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like people gen- generally, generally t- t- tend to like side with like the underdog or like the downtrodden, downtrodden people. But, and, and uh, I see a lot of comments kind of like, call maybe not even just youtubers streamers but a lot of times youtubers and streamers but like just kind of successful people like sellouts or 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 you know like i I don't know fake or whatever but like i don't know like i i just i I, a lot of times i kind of disagree with that because i'm just like you know like these people who were to where they got like they they went through a lot of shit that half of us don't even know about you know what i mean i don't know like i said people see the uh they see the one percent yeah, yeah. They don't uh, see the whole thing. They don't see the whole thing. It's okay. Yeah. Now, thanks to your words, they see that what you have didn't just drop into your lap. No. You for some people yeah. it does. That's really lucky, but for me it didn't. It took I had to learn the hard way. I don't know of very many people who got fame and fortune by having it drop in their lap and then they sustained it. Because that's true. If the habits and the disciplines that you have to have in order to achieve a certain level of success are not present in somebody who has it bestowed upon them, then they're not likely to keep it because they they won't know what it takes to have gotten there organically. Um, I suppose if you're a member of the royal family and you're born into it, you can be the world's biggest idiot. You know, it won't right. matter. Well, I think that's the 0.01% of exceptions, right? But exactly. Like, it's even, not like the lottery, right? Like people yeah. who, you hear these stories of people losing their money really fast. Yeah. You know. A wise friend taught me that people tend to want easy. They want the easy path. Mm. And uh, the people who are able to marshal their discipline and their focus together will get where they want to get. So yeah, you started from a place of zero followers, zero subs, zero right. content. And you manufactured the success you have now based on discipline, hard work, focus, learning from mistakes. Yes, and I've learned. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of grateful. Like, yes, it did suck to grind all those years and to make all those mistakes. But, like, I am grateful for all these experiences because I feel like I've learned something. Yeah. And I'm not afraid. I mean, I still am a little bit afraid of, like, losing everything. But, like, I wouldn't be paralyzed and, like, not know what to do. It, it reminds me of a story that... 
uh, my mentor who lived on that high-end resort, there's a bunch of like random famous or like just random people living there with houses, right? And so like, right. Uh, just like random, like, like this, oh, like this guy invented the whatever, and like he, you're like he invented that, like it's like some daily household item that everyone uses or something. So he point, he, we were driving past this house, and he pointed me up to this hill, this giant mansion up top, and and he told me about this guy. We'll call him, uh, we'll call him, we'll call him Bob. So so Bob, Bob's grandfather, like invented. Um, a piece I, I don't want to say because I feel like it'll give it away, but it's like he invented something. a widget, a widget it's that a everybody widget uses. That's used everywhere. Okay. Like everywhere. Okay. This widget's used. This grandfather, his grandfather did. Okay. And so he inherited a lot of this wealth. And I've never been in Bob's house, but my mentor has. And my mentor is like, dude, whenever I go in there, it's like the house is beautiful. It's like like you know, multi million dollar house, but the inside mm. is like has like fold up plastic chairs, just like random, like, you know, like <laughs> nothing permanent. Everything is like really cheap. Like the, the, the table is like a foldable table. You know, it's like, you know, this person is like living in fear of huh. losing his money. You know, okay. I mean? it's like, it's really interesting because he doesn't spend anything on anything because he's, right. he's living in fear of, of not being able to make it on his own. Um, I don't know if it's true or not, if he's actually living in fear, but I think it's a kind of an interesting uh, take on, on how the yeah. person was living. Well, I, I think the lesson in there is that, and, and you're about to introduce another human being into the world, is mm -hmm. you're, you're successful. I believe you're going to continue to be successful and, and probably more so. So I'm you're, so yeah, probably. yeah. I am already encountering this with my children. I could, you know, if I, whenever I pass away, hopefully it's in another 50 years, I'd like to see a hundred or more. Right. But whatever it is I leave to the kids, I don't want to just leave them assets. I want to leave them with a uh, skill set to get through life successfully. And not just right. with money, but how to handle uh, fear, how to handle uh, setbacks, how to handle when you're not connecting with another person, how to recognize what you love and go after it, how to manage money. You know, like my son has already learned about money because he's worked a few voiceover jobs and he gets paid and I let him keep some. I let him put other money in. So he understands banks and accounts and all that. So what this person who lives in this mansion with plastic chairs was not taught were basic life skills about how to manage assets and how to identify what you want to do, how to do it successfully so you don't jeopardize what's been handed down to you. A lot of old money, what old money does very, very well is educate their offspring and how to maintain your assets. So, yeah, you know, you're going to be... something I'm, I'm still learning. You know, I, I'm only 29, so I'm not going to act like some <laughs> yeah. wise guru that knows everything, you know. Um, I still have lots to learn. I'll probably look back when I'm 35 on what I'm saying now or how I think now is like, wow, like I really didn't know much, but... I'm always open to, to like learning and, and kind of just like, you know, keeping an open mind. And I'm grateful for everything that I've learned uh, so far in this journey. Um, again, I'm still early in it, you know, so I'm sure there's a lot more to, to, to learn yeah. and figure out as the years go on. Well, you're already way ahead of where I was at 29. Trust me, I was already starting to slowly take backward steps. I was starting to play it too safe. And I had to learn that. It took me about another five, six years to start learning that lesson properly. 
So, and, and I understand the trepidation to want to try new content. That's what every tryout Tuesday, I try a game and I look at my viewer count, just go like that because that's the worst feeling it people want pathfinder and they want apex and they want to see me do stupid shit as pathfinder and then i yeah. say we're gonna play this game i'll get back to you when you're pathfinder again and so oh, i thought God. okay fine i'm left with the people that want to see me do it the way i want to do it and i'll slowly raise that number so even amidst the relative success of having a stream that more people are watching i've got the relative failure which I don't really like to call it that, but the experiment of taking a section of that audience and getting them to watch the Edge voice, not the voice of Pathfinder. So I'm doing what you're already talking about doing. I'm already trying to figure out how to push that so I can guarantee it. I think that's super, super important. Like I think a lot of people focus too much on, you know, oh, I gotta be the best player in Apex or I gotta be XYZ rank in Apex. And I'm like, Think about, like, in the big picture, like, Apex is not going to be, I mean, hopefully it's here for a while, but, like, realistically, it's not going to be here forever. At some point, it's going to go away, and, and I don't know, I, I I would hope that me being, my own channel kind of just survives beyond Apex, and that's kind of why I shifted to more personality stuff, is like, yeah. you know, one day when I switch a game, sure, I'm not going to get, maybe I won't get the same numbers, but instead of, say, 10% of the viewers I used to get, maybe I'll get 60 or 50 uh-huh. or 70, you know, like as opposed to like 15, 10, 15, you know, like 1000 views on a video, mm-hmm. like how I started a year ago, it'd be maybe a hundred thousand, you know, and that now give me a lot more leverage to work with as with like building a new audience as far as whatever the next thing is. Well, I will say, uh, unsolicited advice, but, uh, look into real estate again, just really? don't write it off yet. The reason why is because you were renting before, right? Well, long story, but like yeah. me and my wife ended up buying a house and it was just way too much house for us. Like we, we had, we bought it, this house we bought, it was this last year, last July. And we ended up, we're working on selling it now. Um, uh-huh. and like we thought we wanted a house. Turns out it was way too much house. Um, so this house, I said house like 15 times. So basically how we bought it was the, the person who built the place lost it to a private lender because uh-huh. he couldn't he couldn't get the money from a bank because he just kept missing payments. Anyways, he missed payments with this whole private lender. Private lender takes the house, and so there's like a lot of shit that like like we got the inspector done, but the inspector didn't catch shit. So like like the first thing that came up was like okay cool we got like a swarm of carpenter ants inside our house, great. You know, and oh my God. it was like mud tubes in the garage. Okay, what are mud tubes? Oh, those are termites. Awesome. You know, so like, <laughs> and then we're like, okay, hold up, what's going on? Like, why is there so many insects? Oh, wait, the sump pump, because of where we're living, it's like there's a spring underneath like the entire neighborhood, like the entire area. So, like, the sump pump would like break and like flood the garage and so we found out like it's because like the, the pump wasn't wired correct like it was being routed to like the sewage system which is technically illegal but it was done by the last tenant and so we had like pay someone and oh and that line was like collapsed so it was like it was like burning out the pump so basically we had to spend like 11 12 grand on like getting this garage like fucking waterproofed and then, like, you know, other things, like the AC broke, and the furnace broke, and then, like, the, the windows was leaking, and, like, we spent so much money on this goddamn house, then we're like, 
me and my wife were like, okay, like maybe it was just like, well, it was really more my wife's idea. She was like, okay, I don't want us to like be paying like for random shit that comes up randomly. Like, sure, we can afford it, but like we really want to be spending half our money right at, like this age on fixing yeah. house stuff. And it's like not even planned expenses. It's like one day it's 45 degrees indoors, you know, it's like those kind of expenses that you're not yeah. ready for. So that's, I don't know. So that's the way we work. We, we moved back into a, a condo. We're working on selling the house. That's, that's, that's what's happening. I totally understand. But uh-huh. overall, averaging it out and after the pain and hardship and headache you've been through with that house, totally mm-hmm. understand if you're turned off from buying because you got a lemon, you got something that were just every kind of thing went wrong. But overall... Yeah. I bought two investment properties in Texas years ago. And because I couldn't afford to buy in LA, I mean, I could afford to buy maybe one little condo in LA and I was still renting for a really good price, but I had money saved. I bought two investment properties. And the funny thing is that one of the uh, uh, tenants we got in was a complete idiot. Complete, just uh, ir- another thing. Yeah. yeah, tenants, people are trash. Reckless, irresponsible tenant, and uh, the uh, you know they just trashed the place. But luckily, I got that under control, and I did this from afar. I did this. I was halfway across the country, but what I learned was get a good property management company that will get the right tenant in to begin with. Mm -hmm. If you have family, put family in there and let them rent from you, so they're paying your mortgage and you're getting maybe even a little bit of extra for it. And you will slowly see the equity in that house go up. And over time, you'll realize if I had continued to rent, I would be this much behind investment wise. Now, of course, yeah. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think for me is if I was to buy a place, I think I would buy it in like a building, like buy a unit in a building as opposed to a house. You could do that. The HOA absorbs some of the shock, you know, but then you got to deal with an HOA. You got to go to those meetings. You got to deal yeah. with the, the neighbor that lives there forever and doesn't want anything changed. No, leave it the way it is. That's the way we've always done it. And there, it's Look, it's just like your stream. At a certain point, you're going to try something. You don't know if it's going to work. But uh, I, I have found with property, look, they're not making any more of it. It's, the, <clears throat> it's a finite resource. And more and more people rent because they don't have enough to own because their salary doesn't track with inflation because look, this is a whole political thing here, but it's harder and harder for people to own. If you're able to own, do it and be a kindly landlord, be a good Mm -hmm. landlord that gives people a little break and they'll be there forever and they'll take care of the place and you'll get the equity. So it goes up. Right. We'll talk about this off stream. Yeah, 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 we'll, yeah, I know. So I appreciate the, the stage advice, though. Well, believe me, look, you, the house thing left a skid mark on you. I'd feel the exact same way. If I had to go through all that horse shit, I'd say, I'm never owning again. I'm never owning a house again. It's this and that problem. We we, we, have, we found mice in our apartment yesterday. It was interesting. Though my cat, uh, well, it was dead and it was really wet. So I think my cat like <laughs> killed it and like licked it. And it was just like in the bedroom, like a tiny little one. I was like, I was so proud, dude. I was so... <laughs> Freaking proud of my cats. Great. She's never even like killed a live animal and she just did it out of instinct. I'm like, wow, I didn't see it happen, but you know. Uh, <laughs> there you go. 
I saw the evidence, you know? All right, so here's one. Candy, what would you like from a third map on Apex? I've talked to some people, and I think Jungle Vibe would be awesome. Part of me wonders about making too many maps because I've seen this happen with PUBG, which is Player Unknown's Battleground, Battle, Battle for Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, yes. And they have, like, it becomes a situation where if you have too many maps, you start to split the player base. Like, right now, Apex only has one playable map. But if they start introducing maps and having them all on rotation at the same time, it's like you're splitting the player base already into three different groups. And I, I worry that if they introduce too many maps, you know, and, and at some point introduce them all at the same time, that it would split the player base too much. But if they did what they did, if they did like what they did with um, World's Edge, where it's like, okay, they removed King's Canyon, put in World's Edge, um, I still feel like people will miss you know, World's Edge or King's Canyon. People be like, oh, this new map sucks or whatever, you know? Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, that's really up to the, 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 the game devs to do. I don't know if a jungle map will be good because I feel like a lot of the sweaty uh, tryhard community wouldn't like that too much because I think visibility is really important because I feel like if you get shot from a bush, I'd imagine that will lead to, like, some really, really uh, salty, salty players, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, people who like don't want to uh, deal with deal with that sort of visual clutter. Um, as far as the third map goes, though, I don't know. I re I really kind of like World's Edge, man. Like, I like the the variety and the different. You know, you have the ice biome, you have the the mm -hmm. lava, and you have you know a bit of the open field. You know, you have some mountains. I think it's got like a really good mix. Um, it's got like a lot of urban environments. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Um, do you think a larger map would be good to include more, or would that be too much? Sometimes I feel like Players Edge, or, uh, sorry, World's Edge could support a hundred players. I'm really curious to see what a hundred player match would be like. Right now it's only sixty, just more people. Yeah, maybe like, up the loot, up the loot drops. I think that'd be really interesting. It'd be like super chaotic. I think it'd be. I don't know. I mean, like, obviously, Respawn has all the data. I mean, maybe they tried that and be like, oh, it doesn't work on this map. But I feel like it'd be kind of cool to have, like, 100 players drop on World's Edge with the loot table boosted so it's like there's enough loot to go around. And so it'd just be chaos. Like, that's lots and <laughs> lots of fighting. I didn't know uh, about the Code Red tournament. What was that mm -hmm. tournament for? And I heard uh, you did pretty well in it. I did pretty good. So Dr. Disrespect... I think it's his tournament, or maybe okay. he's like an investor of the of the company that ran the tournament. So basically, it's Boom TV. They did this thing called the Code Red tournament, where the doc uh, play he, he himself played in it with Shroud and I think Beanan, which is um, Shroud's girlfriend. And they reached out to uh, like twenty or nineteen different content creators and like, okay, pick one pro and one person to play with, and they all have to be able to stream. Okay. So I picked um, uh, No Coco Puffs from CLG uh, because I've always liked the CLGs. The the guys in CLGs, like the CLG, they all have like a really positive vibe. They're all really uh, fun. Right. You know, they seem like a really fun crowd to be in. And even if we don't win, I feel like we would have a good time. Mm -hmm. And um, I've, I've, you know, talked to Noko like on stream, uh, just in his chat. I've rated him a few times, vice versa. Like, you know, like I wouldn't say like we're like, you know, super close or anything, but I always felt like, you know, I, I know this guy. Like he knows of me. So like I asked him to play and it was actually a really good time. Um, 
did I pull my weight? It, it was it was a little hard to keep up with with the with the guys that like played played this game for a living. Um, right. They, they, they're all really cracked players in that tournament. Um, no, uh, Noko just really played out of his mind. He did really really well. Um, I I'm not making excuses, but I don't think it helped that I was playing a character that couldn't run away because that tournament was based off of kills, right? <clears throat> so everyone was playing super aggressive, and I was playing. Right. Characters like Watson or, or Gibraltar that didn't really have an escape, so it was it was a little hard to navigate. But I still had like a really good time, um, and we got we ended up getting fourth place, which was uh, forty four hundred split three ways. Uh, you know, I th- I was, that was a good time. It was, it was fine. I mean, it's my first tournament. Um, I kind of liked the format because there wasn't placements, so okay. it was like a lot more exciting to watch. You know, kill base, so like people were playing a bit more crazy and a bit more aggressive. I thought it was lots of fun. Um, I would do it again, honestly. It was, it was a good time. That not funny nerd. An off-topic question. Do you have a favorite TV series or movie? Anything or anything that's just like in your head right now that you can't get yeah, enough of? Yeah, yeah, Okay, so TV shows. I really like The Magicians. They're canceling the show, which makes me sad after the season. But that show is like Harry Potter, but like, but like, uh, with like modern. Like, I, I okay. really like it. I really, really like, um, that show the magicians it's very it, it's it's probably there's one episode that i think is my favorite episode of all like television history like it's really beautifully done um a lot of topics they cover are really uh interesting um like i think it's it's really cool so it's about basically it's like about people who are magicians and these students are going to school and a magic school it's kind of like they have different problems and apocalypses that come up that solve it and you know, go through different worlds and stuff like that and talk to gods. It's really cool. The Magicians, highly would recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, the Punisher was also really, really good. That one's on Netflix. I really like that one. Movies, I really have been enjoying space movies. Not like Star Wars space movie. I mean, like, I mean, like more like closer to like science fiction, like not, not, not science fantasy, but more like, like Interstellar or like The Martian, I like I like I like those kind of space movies a lot. Although I do like Star Wars, though honestly that franchise kind of ruined itself a little bit for me. Um, I like the MCU a lot too. I mean, like that's probably my favorite mu- movie franchise. To be a Ask me to pick one. You're talking to someone who grew up with the original trilogy of Star Wars movies, so I guess right. um, I guess episodes four through six. So I watched the other, like, I have not seen the last Star Wars movie. And the last, yeah, it was fine. Okay. The best they could with what happened in episode eight. Episode eight was was really bad. I didn't like it at all. I think they really ruined it there. Mm. But they had it. So Ryan Johnson was directing eight. For nine, they brought back J.J. Abrams. And so Uh J.J. Abrams is trying to, like, kind of, like, like so Abrams went this way with like mm-hmm. episode seven. Ryan Johnson went this way with eight, and then Abrams had to bring it back. You know, so so like the changing of directors or writers or whatever, like I think that messed up a lot of things and so it it really felt like two movies and one movie, that last one. But I mean I still have a good time with Star Wars. I mean it, i I look at it as what it is. It's entertainment. You know, it's just a movie. It's not like my life or anything. I mean, I have a good time. Yeah, it's hard not to like uh, at least one Marvel movie. I mean, there. I think people don't appreciate just how hard it is to make one of those movies well. 
And right. because I grew up with those comics too, I grew up reading Iron Man, Spider Man, the X Men, um, and I know the X Men are sort of a different part of the MCU. But right. I I read Avengers, all of that stuff, and there's so many ways you can go wrong with those things, and they don't. Yeah, I'm really happy with with how Marvel turned out. Candy Rue, we, we kind of addressed this, but you could clarify it. What are you going to do in the future? Are you still going to play Apex, stop YouTube, just Twitch? Where do you see yourself in the future? I'm still going to do Apex. Valance right around the corner. I'm curious, but I'm not, uh, I see a lot of people on Twitter that are like, oh, I'm quitting. I'm quitting Apex the minute Valorant comes out. That's Riot's new shooter. And, and I'm not entirely convinced that balance is going to be for me but you know i want to keep an open uh one eye open and 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 i want to be open with it and i want to give it a shot and if i really like it then yeah sure me we'll do more content on that new game mm-hmm. but i think as far as like youtubing in general and content creation i think i'm going to be doing it as long as i can uh maybe this could be a little bit of a break with the with the kid coming along you know maybe this will be less twitch screens but i'm gonna try to put up as many youtube videos as i can just because I mean, first of all, that's how the bills get paid. So, so I'm still gonna be around. Comic Spider Five. Um, what passion do you have other than YouTube or Twitch? What do you do with your time that is still a passion when you're away from YouTube and Twitch? I mean, I know your time's gonna get really narrowed a bit, but do you have something you pursue that um, you that you wouldn't want to do without? I don't know. I think YouTube and Twitch has, has kind of become just what I do. Like mm-hmm. sure, like I'll I'll watch TV shows and stuff with the wife during dinner time and stuff. Like that's that's always fun. But like I, I can't say like I have a secret hobby of like knitting or something on the side. <laughs> you know, like honestly, like people always ask me like, oh, what games do you play besides Apex? I'm like, honestly, not that many, if at all. Like I just everything I just I just I just spent like a lot of time into this. It would be funny if you were just knitting a sweater. And then the alarm goes off. Oh, okay. Apex time. And then you just jump five generations ahead, technologically speaking, and jump into it. That that would be very zen to do. It's like, okay, I'm putting away the Apex, and now I'm picking up this block of wood, and I'm whittling. Yes. It would probably, I don't know, it would probably be pretty good for the soul. Woodworking, you know, that'd be... That'd be something. Fake Saren, question for Candy. Which legend do you play the least and why? Oh, God. Probably <laughs> Mirage. I'm sorry. I like Mirage the most personality-wise. Yeah. But he's just not good right now. I, when Apex first came out, he was one of the characters you could just purchase. So I thought that might be my ankle in. Would be like, I could just be like that one guy who bought Mirage and like got good with him. So I played him quite a bit of Mirage. But like over time, it's just like he's just so not fun to play in my opinion you know like i hope they buff him but it'd be mirage what can they do for mirage to make it so that maybe he's on a par with pathfinder i don't know it it has to be a lot man like his kit is just not good they have to redesign the entire character i hope roger craig smith is watching this this is so directed (laughs) because we spent yeah Yeah, it's yeah. not the voice. Not the the voice is awesome. Everybody loves the character. It's the tech. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's the playability. Yeah, I know. I, I love Mirage. Mirage is my plan B. But I'm a shitty player. Somebody cares what I choose. Can you do an impression of any of the uh, no, of any of the the legends? I can't. 
I think people maybe I, just assume that because I'm streaming that, oh, everybody who streams can do a voice on the game. That Can you do, like, impressions of, like, like Gibraltar and stuff? I no. These are, much. like, I'm a... I'm if I may toot my own horn, I'm a really good mimic. That's how I make a lot of my money. But these are very specific voices in this game. These guys were chosen for a reason. These are very specific characters. Just to let you guys know watching at home, it is not easy. I mean, these are very specific voices, and I think they were chosen for that reason because they're very specific characters. Chat, uh, yes, Scott Malkinson, I am Hedon from Naruto. So chat, pick someone from my IMDB that I can do for Candy Roo. And um, one, the first person gets it. Yeah, first person gets it. The next one I first see. First person gets it. List out a name, someone. List out that name. Yeah, it has to be one that I actually do. It can't be, you know, do Mirage. Like, no, can't. So. Yeah, Yuan off of uh, Crooksis. I think that's from uh, Tales of Symphonia. Uh, I'll do Yuan doing Pathfinder lines in a squad with Candy Roo. Okay, so... Hey, this is Yuan from Tales of Symphonia. Who's ready to fly on a zip line? I am with my good buddy, Candy Roo. He's my best friend. I love Candy Roo, and I made it awkward. Losing isn't fun. That's why I don't do it. He's got a little heat on in him. Heat on is just pure evil, so that's the I difference. love heat on. He's great. Yeah, he's the most despicable character I've ever played by far. So there you go. That's oh, wonderful. Yeah, and, and you love him. So good to know. That's why we keep him around. Yeah, exactly.